Hey, it's Damon. I'm taking a quick moment to say thank you to every one of you who is listening to the Who Am I Really podcast. I hear from guests and listeners who say the show has helped them to navigate their own feelings about their adoption, strategize how they're going to attempt adoption reunion, or taught them something about how to engage their adoptive parents. I read every email and every comment in the podcast apps, and the same way this show helps some of you to keep going or teaches you something new about the adoption experience, your positive feedback does the same in reciprocity to me. On my podcast platform, Captivate, I can see where my listeners come from, and I absolutely love it. Of course, there are huge numbers of listeners in North America, and I thank you all so much. But on the smaller side of the listener numbers, it really excites me to see someone is listening in American Samoa, Brazil, the Cayman Islands, Denmark, Finland, French Polynesia, Hong Kong, and Madagascar. I see listeners in Mexico, Malaysia, Hungary, Barbados, Turkey, South Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, and Nigeria. So to all of those listeners in some of those smaller markets, I want to say thank you to you too. Earlier this year, I had the pleasure of attending the Untangling Our Roots conference, which was one of the first times in a long while I've been among other adoptees in person, and I got such joy from talking to the show's listeners. So I just want to say, I see you, I hear you, and I thank you for listening. Oh, and one more thing, just a reminder about the National Council for Adoption Adult Adoptee Survey. It is only open for a month or so here in June 2023, so I'd really like to see thousands of adoptees chime in on the survey with their adoption experience. You can find the survey online at adoptioncouncil.org slash survey. Reminder, don't post the URL online or on social media. You'll invite the online bots to find the survey and ruin the purity of the adoptee response data. This is the final show of season 12, where it has been such an honor to help adoptees share their stories with you. I'm ready to get started if you are, so let's go. I don't judge any decisions my birth parents made or didn't make. Shit happens, you know. Yeah, I think that's my biggest thing that I hope they would know as birth parents, that I'm grateful and there's no judgment. I'm not here to judge one iota. <laughs> I'm just curious about my birth story and I have a right to know. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today we're going back to Lisa's journey from episode 197 that started this season. When I spoke with her last, she was filled with anxious anticipation for meetings with a paternal cousin who was also adopted and then her birth father. In reunion, Lisa got some answers she had been looking for, but those answers just led to more questions. Thankfully, Lisa has found a diamond in the rough of it all, who has been key to completing some of her origin story's narrative. 
this is the rest of Lisa's journey so far. Lisa and I spoke for the first time on September 17, 2022, the night before Lisa was going to meet her birth father. Lisa's paternal reunion was preceded by a meeting with her cousin, Jeff, a man Lisa was really fascinated with because he is also adopted. So Lisa was really glad to be connected to Jeff on her adoption reunion journey. Remember, Jeff's birth father and Lisa's birth father are brothers from a family of 13 siblings. This second conversation you're about to hear now took place May 22, 2023, eight months after that reunion. Lisa started by describing how she and Jeff were sharing in the surreal moment of Lisa's reunion and Jeff getting closer to answers about their birth family through his invitation to participate in Lisa's reunion. Jeff and Lisa met that evening in September, where Jeff supported Lisa's nervous feelings by reassuring her that he was also anxious before meeting his birth father. Lisa and Jeff made small talk about his family and their lives, and generally got to know one another that night. Lisa starts off with how that meeting went with Jeff. I was obviously very nervous about the next day where I would meet my birth father. And so being with Jeff helped calm some of those nerves. At this point, he had met his birth father, but his birth father's in a memory care. So his relationship with birth father kind of limited. Now, just for some context, my birth father and his siblings all went to the same high school in a small town in Missouri. So this trip coincided with the high school reunion for this small town. Wow. So several siblings came in from out of town for that reunion. And then that's when I met my birth father. And he was with another brother, Uncle Ralph, who was the first person I connected to when I began this search on 23andMe. He's one of David's brothers. So I knew Ralph would be with David, and of course Jeff would be there, but I received a call from David saying that another brother, Dean, and his wife, Dee, would also like to join, and did I have an issue with it? And I'm like, no, absolutely not, because I knew that Aunt Dee and my birth mother were college roommates. What? Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> he married my one of my birth father's brothers and been married to him for, gosh, it's over 50 years. So your paternal uncle is married to your birth mother's college roommate. Correct. Wow. That's wild. Yes. And I think I had shared in our previous interview that, you know, I had reached out to a maternal half-sibling, didn't know about me, secret, and, and relayed that his mother didn't want any contact. So once I knew that Dee would be at this reunion, it changed all the dynamics for me because I was like, oh my God, she's going to have info on my birth mother that I probably won't be able to get. So we were all at the reunion. We had it at a, not our hotel restaurant, but a different hotel restaurant. And I'll never forget, Jeff opened the door and we walked into this kind of an old and opulent lobby. And there's David standing there very poised, back straight, 
you know, clasping his hand. Looked like he was waiting to meet a dignitary. That's what it looked like. <laughs> wow. You and then were. over his shoulder, I could see the rest of the family, the other two brothers and Aunt D. And, you know, we gave each other a hug and then embraced and we all walked over to the table. Now, Jeff hadn't met any of these relatives either. So this was all new. And then Dee had brought photos of my birth parents of their college days. She had, I don't know, probably 10 different photos to show me. It was, it was just very sweet. And I found myself, now mind you, there's six people at the table. It was hard to entertain everybody's conversation. And really my attention was focused on Dee and what she could give me. Right, right. I was really curious about the dynamic at the table during their reunion. Most often when an adopted person is about to meet a birth parent or a significant relative, they want alone time with that person to get to know them and open opportunities for them to share stories and answer some questions. Lisa said while there were a lot of people at their reunion experience, it was okay because she had opened the option for others to join their meeting when she asked if her cousin Jeff could be present. But Lisa said while she did want some alone time with David, she still hasn't gotten time alone with him yet. Whenever they get together, the conversation veers off in an unplanned, tangential direction. Still, Lisa had unanswered questions after that reunion. So that evening of their initial meeting, Lisa started texting her Aunt Dee, peppering her with questions. She was asking me questions, and it was at that point that she told me, that she believed I was delivered in their apartment. Really? Yes. In their she apartment said, that she shared with your birth mother? Yes. Wow. She said that Deborah's, that's my birth mother, pregnancy was very obvious. I get the impression maybe this was a two-bedroom apartment and maybe four girls live there or maybe three girls live there. And the, the quote-unquote girls, I guess, sat down with Deborah and said, hey, girl, we know you're pregnant. You know, what's the plan? And that Deborah made it very clear this was not to be ever discussed again. Wow. So also in that apartment complex was my birth father. He lived a few doors down in a separate apartment. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. So... Dee told me that, and I said, wow, I'd never heard that. I'd never imagined that. I said, maybe that makes sense why well, I was taken to the county hospital, and I wasn't born at the university hospital because my birth parents were university students. So if she had had you at the university hospital, it would have revealed her pregnancy to everyone. Exactly, uh -huh. exactly. Yeah, so this whole conversation with Dee, obviously, via text, mind you, and later emails, just kind of upended the whole origin story I had created in my mind. Not right or wrong, it's just for 50 plus years you grow up thinking your parents got pregnant, they couldn't have a baby, you were born in the hospital, and two or three days later you came to us. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. pretty right. sterile experience, right? Right, right. But uh, this, is a, um, this is a fascinating sort of piece of the adoption reunion journey is that you do come into it with a narrative that you've created sometimes out of thin right. air, right? It's just 
I'm taking what little facts I have, if I have any at all, and I massage them into something that my brain can handle. And exactly. It's, you know, it's rarely, rarely is it ever correct, the, the story that you've created versus what <laughs> happened in reality. You know what I mean? Yes. And so when that just brought up a whole nother chasm of questions for me, but I didn't feel comfortable at that point peppering David with that info. You know, mm. we had just met, let's see, the following day. I'm trying to think. I think I caught a flight. So really, we only had that one day. So it was just kind of the superficial stuff, you know, getting to know each other and breaking that ice, I guess. Lisa was very interested in physical similarities with David, but she didn't find many. She admitted it was disappointing to see that one of the biggest traits they shared was a mole in the same place. Lisa said her Aunt Dee has shared more about David than he's shared about himself. She knows a lot because she's been married into the family for 50 years. It sounds yeah. like Aunt Dee is a linchpin to a whole gang she, of interesting it's information. Great. And not only that, she's a fantastic person. <laughs> I love her. Yes, I love her. And I've met two of her three kids. They're all similar age to me. They're fantastic. So, yes, I definitely feel a closeness and a kinship to Aunt Dee. And I've made that very aware to her. Maybe uncomfortably so, poor thing. I don't think she minds, but <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't. She, yeah, she's kind of become my the conduit of family info. David, he still does correspond intermittently, but nothing major, and that's fine. It's perfectly fine. What was it um, like for her to meet you? Because I have a similar experience. My birth mother was pregnant flew to Baltimore to be around one of her best friends in life so that they mm -hmm. could work together to get me adopted. And then years later, I was able to find this woman and say, hey, it's me. Remember that kid that, you know, Anne oh, gave birth to? Oh, yes. So That's what, very parallel. Yeah. So what what do you think it was like for Dee to see <laughs> this child whom she yes. confronted her girlfriend about and was like, hey, girl, we know Who? you're pregnant. What's the deal? What was it uh -huh. like for her? who could never speak of it again yeah well i could when i walked in and david was standing at the entrance and i could see the group sitting at the table i could see her eyes glistening and a big smile and she told me that i have my birth mother's smile so yeah she definitely brought humanistic qualities to that experience mm. that definitely i don't think most men can't not because they don't want to. They just, it's harder for them. <laughs> mm -hmm. She was the emotional yeah. outlet while the other she guys was. were kind of just factually there. Exactly. Exactly. She's the diamond in the rough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I call her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, we, yeah, the first reunion was, I would say it was uneventful, anticlimactic, upended my birth story as I knew it. But I don't want to make it seem like that upended my life or was mm -hmm. a huge disappointment. It wasn't. It was just a revelation that I hadn't expected or considered. Was it fulfilling? Uh, I think so. I think to have put these people in context in their physical presence, to see them interact as a family and as siblings. Yeah, that was fulfilling on a on a personal level. Yes. Mm -hmm. That these these really do seem to be good people. 
not that I ever questioned that, but you, you could tell when interacting with people. Yeah. Yeah. There is something <laughs> comforting maybe about yeah. sort of meeting these people and going, you know, kind of, ah, they are kind of, they yeah, are they're good not bank robbers. and Right. Or just you know, like, literally travel. they're not jerks. You know, they don't yeah. even have to be yeah. criminals. Just nice people is, is a huge important exactly. factor in sort of recognizing like, oh, this is kind of who and what I come from. And that can be a huge relief for people who've questioned it for a long time and have, as you've said, made up your own narrative about a great many right. pieces of their adoption story. So that's really cool. And about a lot of comfort to be, to feel that, you know, I'm now kind of in this fold and I can, I can participate as much or as little as I want to, but that's my decision. Though they were college roommates, Dee and Deborah, Lisa's birth mother, haven't been in contact since the 1980s. Dee hasn't had any contact with Deborah, so she was really intrigued to see the amount of research Lisa had done on her birth mother. Reciprocal to Dee, sharing photos of Deborah and David when they were younger, Lisa was able to share some of her more recent photos of Deborah she had found online. Lisa told me that in reunion, she got some basic questions answered, but post-reunion, she finds she has even more unanswered questions. I wondered what new questions arose for Lisa after meeting her paternal relatives. Was I born in the, uh, the bathroom of the apartment? I had asked Dee what made her think that I was born in their apartment, and she said, oh, it was quite evident that there was either... A birth took place or was about to take place I see. in the mess in the bathroom. I was like, okay. She and her roommate, they had gone off to babysit some relatives and they came home the next day and my birth mother wasn't there and they saw the mess in the bathroom and called the hospital and learned that she was there. Wow. It's interesting because I didn't ask my birth father, David, who lived three doors down, <laughs> have you seen Deborah? Very much, again, the theme of being a secret that we discussed in the first interview. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And I don't judge them for that. In fact, it makes me more, I feel so, sorry is not the right word, but I am grateful that I've been born and the life I've had and the opportunities I've had. I don't judge any decisions my birth parents made or didn't make. Shit happens, you know. Yeah, I think that's my biggest thing that I hope they would know as birth parents that I'm grateful and there's no judgment. I'm not here to judge one iota. <laughs> I'm just curious about my birth story and I have a right to know. Later, Lisa and her cousin Jeff were invited to a family reunion. Jeff and Lisa tried to decide if they were going. She told Jeff if he was going, she would make every attempt to be there. If Aunt Dee showed up, that would be really great. And if David showed up, perhaps they would get another chance to talk. Eleven of the 13 paternal siblings, Lisa's aunts and uncles, were at the reunion with their spouses, children, and grandkids, around 30 people in total. The night before the event, Lisa, Dee, and David's brother Dean had dinner. I had to ask her point blank. You really believe that this is how my birth went down? I need clarification and confirmation and she said yes and at that point she even had more pictures of my birth mother and birth father oh wow that she had dug up so then the following day was a reunion and 
it was quite overwhelming to be with all these siblings, to be the new kid on the block. But you're, you know, you're a 50 plus year old adult. Definitely was helpful that Jeff was and his family was in attendance. And I was really hoping to have some time to pin David down on more of my birth story. And it just never occurred. Like I said, we drove together to a restaurant to meet some other family members and the conversation just got sidetracked and we really never got down to anything that I had thought out up to that point. Do you think he's avoiding it? (laughs) Yes. Now I do. Now that I know the truth. Yes. So I have to tell you, Damon, I just kind of put everything on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was in December and just kind of let it just simmer. And then you released the first podcast. I listened to it and it kind of, like I said, everything was on the back burner for me. And that's what helped motivate me to cross this bridge with David that I have some questions I want answered. And I think I deserve and have a right to know. So I sent him an email. basically saying, you know, D, this is what D's told me. Can you clarify some other questions? Did my birth mother have prenatal care that you're aware of? Was there any discussion about abortion? What else was some of my other questions? That was the, oh, I did ask if he or my birth mother had any known contact with my parents because both of my parents taught at the university and he said not not to his knowledge that he he never had any contact with them so your birth parents went to the same college correct she got pregnant and Uh your adoptive parents were both affiliated with that same college correct (laughs) wow (laughs) yes not only that my my father taught political science, but my mother taught nursing, specifically maternal child health. So that's why I was interested in what kind of prenatal care she had, because that could have been very much an avenue that my mother and birth mother could have crossed paths. But David seems to, at least he never crossed paths with my parents. Maybe she did. I don't know. Not that he's aware of. Really? Really? Yeah, there, I'm telling you, there's a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Really, really cool. Hmm. So there was this reunion in December. Again, I left very much feeling questions unanswered. You released the podcast interview we did, I don't know, a month or two ago. And that's when I typed off a letter to David saying, please answer these questions. (laughs) Unfortunately, his brother, Ralph, my uncle Ralph, died like four days later after i sent that email (laughs) oh no yeah he was diagnosed with a glioblastoma which is an aggressive brain cancer in the end of january so i didn't get a response from david for over a month and i absolutely understand and if i had known that ralph would be literally on his deathbed i wouldn't have sent the email when i did Mm. but david did reply offered a long introduction saying he didn't know how him answering these particular questions would help in my conquest. And I'm inserting the word worry 
he didn't say he was worried, but that it would only lead to more questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, he said that I was delivered in the bathroom, that he drove Deborah to the hospital. It's funny he didn't say how I got to the hospital, that she saw a social worker and signed the adoption paperwork that she told him she had prenatal care, but that he never attended any of it with her. They were still very much a couple after my birth, I think for at least another year, year and a half. Wow. Yeah. So basically, I think my poor birth mother, my impending entrance into this world, just what a traumatic experience. I can't imagine. I really really can't. Fascinating. Yeah, she's away at school. She's uh-huh. pregnant. And only child. She, and, oh, she was an only child. She's pregnant. Yep. She ends up staying with the guy for another year, and yes. then they break up. Wow. Yes. That's a lot to go through. Yeah, it is a lot for her to go through. My gosh. No wonder she probably doesn't want contact with me, <laughs> you know, to dig that up. And yeah, it must be painful. Yeah. And this uh. is this is what I, I frequently tell people about the approach to a a birth mother is you have to remember that your return is a return to that time in their life. The trauma that they experienced at the time that they were finding out they were pregnant, giving birth, going through all the pressures that probably got the adoption completed in the first place. And now here you come, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, and you're an absolute like mark in the sand for that time in their life. They're, they they have to open the book again to that chapter and reread everything and yes. probably and recount yes. it back to you. It's got to be incredibly tough to do. I can only imagine. So suffice to say, I haven't reached out to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not against it. I still I still have drafts of, of letters in my head that I can mm-hmm. easily pull out if I desire. I know her address. You know, I mean, that's not the issue. It's just, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Is it that um, you're not ready for it for you or that you don't feel like putting her through it? <laughs> I am ready for an interaction with her i'm not ready for a door to be slammed or correspondence not to be answered Mm -hmm. i'm more like i want the truth as much as you're willing to tell me but i'm afraid of yeah basically being rejected if you want to call it that i I fear being a persona non grata during her life yeah do you think Um, there's any value to reaching out just to give her some level of closure, you know, that this child that she gave birth to is okay, that you've heard a lot of the story of what she went through and just sort of empathize with her for starters and just say, listen, I'm I'm really sorry for what you. And that's pretty much what my draft includes. I want her to know that I turned out okay. She didn't do anything wrong. I don't know that initially I'd allude to that I know the gist of the story because I think that that might prevent her from reaching out. Sure. Yeah. Understand. Or embarrassment or, you know, yeah. but I definitely 
definitely want her to know that, you know, I turned out fine. I'm grateful for where I am in this universe. She has nothing to be ashamed of or afraid of. I'm not here to judge. Yeah, a lot of reassurance. My gosh. I mean, I had kids, kids. I had friends and girlfriends in high school that had abortions. And I know how traumatic that experience was. Just like you said, Damon, that time in the life where you're making decisions about another human being yeah that's stressful yeah right so So. it could be worth it to reach out not necessarily with the intent of having the connection develop as much as empathizing with her and just sharing i'm okay i just wanted you to know and i hope one day we'll have a chance to talk and leave it like wide open yeah therefore you're not asking for anything, so you're not being rejected from anything either. And because ultimately, you're going to end up right where you are right now, not in contact, except at least right. you will have, <laughs> right. right? Right. So at least you're you right. will have reached out. Dang and it, just David. Say, <laughs> you're so good. <laughs> so yeah. I'll at least talk reach... with you for an hour a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes these sessions are therapeutic, and I'm so, I'm so, so glad for I really... I, 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 I have nothing but graciousness for her. There you period. go. And, yeah. and I think, you know, yeah. I, w- I would be willing to bet that she would appreciate knowing that even if she can never, yes. ever, ever bring herself to reach back it's out fine. to you, yes. you may heal a part of your, her heart that you have no idea. And, True. and it's, it's worth doing, you know, there's, we do stuff, kindness for people. Every single day, right? You hold the door open. You do this. You do that. You smile. You say hi. You ask how someone's day was and they're a stranger to you. Like little stuff just to make other people feel good and sort of heal their heart and let them know that there are good people in the world and you're one of them. And this is Mm -hmm. something that potentially, if she needs it, you might be able to do for her. I'm okay. I just wanted you to know I empathize with whatever you went through and I hope that you're okay now too. And just leave it. And get it yeah. off of your heart and leave it out there for her to accept. I love it. Part three. <laughs> <laughs> the series. The life of Lisa. <laughs> That's fun. I know I know cousin Jeff reached out to you too. That's cool. Yeah, really, uh, really awesome. Here's a tidbit from when I met Aunt D the first time and we were sitting at the restaurant table and she said, Your mother was so compartmentalized mm. and that describes me to a damn T <laughs> I've lived my whole life and it was just unsolicited. And I, I think that was the next best thing to practically embracing my birth mother, mm. hearing that similarity, whether that's genetic or not, who knows, but I, I really glommed on to that characteristic that apparently we share. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what we do. You hear something that someone says is similar to your birth mother or birth father, and you go, yes, finally, something. Yeah, you want to glob onto that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Really wild. So. Very good. Well, anything else you want to share about your <laughs> post-reunion life? Here we are. What is this? This is May 22nd, 2023, so eight, eight months later. Yeah. Eight, yeah, eight months. No, life's good. <laughs> How was the trip to Vegas? Vegas was 
fantastic as always I, I, and i'm here to talk about it and i'm not bankrupt so <laughs> very good good to hear yeah good to hear i do have i do have to share with you i've shared your the podcast with several people and my birth father and his youngest daughter so my half sister both had compliments to the interviewer oh that's really kind yeah. thank you yeah. so much yeah. i love that yeah. that's really cool so i passed that on so i thought that was cool well anyway, hopefully Damon, they will hear this i will tell them thank you for the nice words that's very right. kind of you guys <laughs> you have a gift i appreciate everything all right i appreciate you coming back to me with the rest of your story lisa thank you so much take care all right you're welcome you too Damon. all Bye-bye. right bye-bye Hey, it's me. Lisa followed through on her paternal adoption reunion with the support of her cousin Jeff. She met her birth father David at a joint family dinner with some of his brothers and what Lisa calls her diamond in the rough, her Aunt Dee. Dee had so much information about David and Deborah's early life together that Lisa was able to get some questions answered. And interestingly, being on this podcast before helped Lisa to muster the courage to ask David some pointed questions about his side of her origin story. And hey, David, I want to say thank you for listening to Lisa's story in her own words. I don't think a lot of birth parents make the time or take the space to listen to the story of their child seeking reunion. And I hope hearing what she's expressed helps in some way. To the other birth parents and adoptive parents listening, I want to thank you too. I liken these episodes to those times when you may have ridden in a vehicle with kids and they're in the back talking to one another about stuff as if you're not even there. You get to hear some of what they're thinking and feeling, and now you know how we adoptees have been feeling too. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you found something in Lisa's journey that inspired you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I really? If you would like to share your story of adoption and your attempt to find your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow me on Instagram at Damon L. Davis or follow the show at WAI Really. That's it. I'm taking some time off for the summer. I'm going to do some writing, do some investing, and do some more podcasting. I'll talk to you guys when I see you in the fall.